Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so kicking off episode 13, we come to Star Wars, the main run of comics, but this time is volume 2. Now if you haven't listened to episode 9 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, I really recommend you go back and check that out because that is the story arc before this one, which is comics 1-6. to Now this one is volume 2. Now volume 2 within it contains the showdown on Smuggler's Moon, which is the next story arc. However, that is from issue 8 to 12. Issue number 7 is actually part of the Journals of Old Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, the Journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi is essentially, in the previous comic run, Luke found the Journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. He wrote it specifically of cataloguing what he was doing on Tatooine and also to try and teach Luke some lessons and things. Throughout the series, I think up to around the 30th issue comic, There'll be random comics here and there that are the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi. What I'm going to do is once the main run of Star Wars comics, we basically get past the last one, I'll then do an episode at some point with just one episode about the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and I'll make sure that comes out this year because I have a feeling that next year when the Kenobi series is apparently coming out, it's going to use some of that material. I'm not 100% sure. They may just do something else completely different, but we will see. But for anyone who is reading the Star Wars comics, I don't want you thinking that I'm just going to skip the Obi-Wan Kenobi comic and not speak about it. It will be spoken about in a later episode. So for clarity with these comics, so they are written by Jason Aaron, as were the previous six. Uh, the penciler this time is Stuart Immonen. The inker is Wade Von Grawbadger, which is the best name ever. And then the colorist is Justin Ponser. Issue number eight, which is the first part of this arc, was released in August 2015, and issue number 12 was November 2015. The collection of these comics, including the first of the Obi-Wan Kenobi journals, was released under volume two, called Shared on Smuggler's Moon, and that was out January 2016. Now, just to clarify, this main run of Star Wars comics, they all are between episodes four and five, so they're set after A New Hope, and so it just kind of progressively shows Luke becoming better with the Force and a lightsaber, while also showing Han and Leia, the, sort of their feelings blossoming a bit more that, to see what you see in Empire Strikes Back, but also seeing Han get more and more wrapped up in the Resistance, while Jabba is still claiming that bounty on him you know that from episode four when he said he's got a lot of bounty to pay off one of the reasons he was excited about obi-wan and luke in mos eisley gonna pay him loads and loads of credits to get them go across to alderaan and he was really excited because he'd be able to pay off that bounty and obviously an empire strikes back right at the end when vader sells or gives solo frozen carbonite to jabba that's little pieces of that are shown in here too so it's a really good comic really recommend it and i'll just jump right in so just to clarify, the end of Volume 1 basically ended with Luke had the journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi after basically fighting Boba Fett for it in Obi-Wan's little hut on Tatooine. Then you meant to sort of read episode, the seventh comic, which I'm not going to get into, as I said, because it's just an Obi-Wan story. And so this ends with him 
in his cockpit with R2 flying the X-Wing, basically reading through the journal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. At the same time, you've got Han and Leia are off in this random off-planet near the Monsua Nebula. Um, they're there basically hiding from the Empire, and a woman has appeared called Sana, or Sana, one or the other, and she claims to be Han Solo's wife. So the way this comic starts is that Han, Leia, and Sana are on the planet I just mentioned, and they're essentially arguing what to do next. Sana blows up Han and Leia's ship, which was a stolen Imperial shuttle, and then Leia pulls a gun on Han and Sana, and then some TIE fighters start appearing from above, which were the Imperials that they were basically trying to avoid and stuff. While this is all going on, Luke goes into a bar on Nar Shaddaa, now, Nar Shaddaa is the moon of the planet Nal Hutta. Nal Hutta is the planet that the Huts are from, basically. Uh, if you've seen the Clone Wars series, there is one of the episodes where they track down Zero the Hut. Zero was in the animated movie, which was not very good. But they track down Zero the Hut and go to his mum, who's this gigantic, massive slug thing, and that's on Nal Hutta. Nar Shaddaa has appeared actually in another comic I've already spoken about on this podcast, and that was the Darth Maul miniseries. There was five comics about Darth Maul. Uh, he ends up buying a Jedi Padawan, and he does it from a auction on Nar Shaddaa. One little tidbit I will say about Nar Shaddaa is if anyone has played the Force Unleashed video game, which is my favourite Legends story there is, and I don't really delve into Legends that much, and it is my favourite Star Wars game, probably better than Fallen Order, well not better, different from Fallen Order. Still, I love the game The Force Unleashed, which is Legends, so it's no longer canon, but Starkiller slash Galen Merrick does actually go to Nar Shaddaa, I believe in the second, it's like the second main level you do, um, so that's a little fun one, but on that it's much more of like a junk planet than anything so yeah just thought i'd throw that in anyway continuing with luke he goes to nar Shaddaa and he basically walks straight into a bar and says can someone help me in things everyone turns to look at him the bartender says get him essentially and it starts this big brawl he gets thrown into a couple of tables he pushes a few people hits a few people whatever and then someone brings out a weapon and then he pulls out his lightsaber and then everyone freezes and kind of freaks out he then says look i told you what i wanted and the bartender's like, yeah, you said you wanted to go to Coruscant. And given your weapon, I'm guessing you want to go to the Jedi Temple. And he's saying, well, it's going to cost a lot of money to get someone who wants to take you because it's probably got the highest amount of Imperial Guards that there is anywhere because it's the capital planet. So the price to go is essentially the lightsaber. Give that to me. I'll take you there. And then Luke's like, no, nope, the lightsaber stays with me. And then the guy's like, okay, back to the original plan. Guys, get the lightsaber, then kill him. When they're kind of talking and stuff, someone uses what seems to be like a magna glove to basically pull the lightsaber out of Luke's hand from a distance and then runs. Everyone in the bar goes mental and sort of dives to the exit and then Luke is on pursuit. I'm not going to go into detail when the comics end and start from the separate issues because not specifically relevant, so I'm just going to keep on saying with the story. Luke is chasing this person who stole his lightsaber on some rooftops and things. The person runs and does his jump and grabs onto the edge of like a ship of some sort, and he's hanging on with this magna glove that is yeah, magnetically holding him on there. Luke runs and jumps and does this absolutely massive leap and manages to grab onto the guy's ankle. The magna glove can't hold the weight anymore. They both fall off and crash into a building. They fall, the other guy's wounded a bit more, but Luke is less so. He picks up the lightsaber, R2 comes to him, and he's like, oh, I wonder why everyone stopped chasing him. And then he turns around and sees Gracchus the Hut, who introduced himself as Gracchus the Hut. Now, Gracchus is a hut, so as you know, Jabba the Hut is basically a big slug thing, and the species is actually a hut, and he lives on Narshadar, and he is actually a collector of rare Jedi artifacts and things like that. So he immediately takes an interest in Luke's saber. And actually, 
Gracchus has a necklace of lightsabers around him too, and just for clarity, his full name is Gracchus Jahabakti Tingi. So, not sure if that's going to be relevant to anyone, but there you go. One of the cool thing about Gracchus is he walks on 12 cybernetic legs, and now it looks pretty gruesome. They've basically just jammed some legs into the side of him, so it's almost like a millipede in some ways, but obviously a lot less legs. He is absolutely huge. He towers very, very high above everyone else, and he immediately speaks in common tongue. Now, it is not uncommon for huts to speak common tongue, but primarily they speak Huttese, but to my knowledge, Jabba couldn't speak common. He could just understand it. Whereas Zero, the hut, who's obviously I mentioned previously, who's in the Clone Wars series and also in the animated movie, he spoke common very easily. So Gracchus speaks in common in this, which is <laughs> makes it a bit easier to read. And he actually has a couple of guards that are Magna Guards. Now, Magna Guards are shown in episode three. Uh, the way that most people will know them is when Anakin and Obi-Wan right at the start and the Siege of Coruscant, when they're on General Grievous's ship and they're in that room with Grievous and then Grievous kind of runs away, there's the droids that stand fully upright and things and they've got the spinning batons that have got like electricity that's purple at the ends of them. Uh, at one point, Obi-Wan cuts one of their heads off and then the body's still going. That's a Magna Guard. It's basically just a staff-wielding droid that is meant to be more so for handling Jedi. They're in the Clone Wars a lot more and things, but that's the main way people know them. It flips back to Han, Sana, and Leia. The TIE fighter pilots basically land and basically start to approach them. While they're kind of speaking and things, Leia starts shooting, and then Han is kind of yelling at Sana, and she's ends up finding out that he's a rebel, and that really surprises her even further. They eventually manage to fend off the TIE fighter pilots and things, which are basically just stormtroopers wearing black, and get on Sana's ship and escape. Back to Luke, he's trying to fend off these Magna Guards and not doing a great job of it, and uh, Gracchus is basically saying, you're not a very good Jedi at all, you can barely fend off these Magna Guards and things, and then Luke is like, I don't want any trouble, that sort of thing, and Gracchus says, you've come to the wrong planet, and then seemingly punches him in the face and knocks him out. Luke then wakes up to Gracchus holding a holocron in front of him. A Jedi holocron I have mentioned in previous uh, comics is essentially, you see it quite a lot in the extended Star Wars universe in a sense. It's in the Clone Wars series, it's in the Fallen Order game. The one I mentioned previously was the holocron that has got a kyber crystal with inscribed the names of four sensitive children that Jedi were aware of around the galaxy and things. What holocrons are, there's just pieces of information that the Jedi store in there and they can only be opened by a Jedi using the force to do something to them to twist them and open them in a very special way in star wars rebels and a lot of the extended content obi-wan releases a holocron which has got him telling everyone to you know get away from the jedi temple when order 66 happens and there's lots of other sort of parts there's just a lot of history and jedi put like a lot of their knowledge into the holocrons and things so gracchus is holding one and says look you want to open this for me i've got all these jedi relics i've got this huge vault there's a jedi temple guard mask there's like a what looks to be a breather that um, I think, you know, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan use in episode one to breathe underwater when swimming with the Gungans. I think that's what it is. It looks quite similar. There's loads of Jedi stuff. There's like a temple statue as well. Quite a few cool things. And Gracchus says, look, the only thing I haven't really been able to figure out is to open this. You're seemingly the last Jedi, so you need to open this or I'll kill you. Luke doesn't really know how to do it, but he does eventually open it. And he ends up opening all of the holocrons around him. Now, there's around 20 or so holocrons and lots of different Jedi masters kind of pop up that are vaguely recognizable but the main one people would recognize is shark t she is a togruta you see her in i believe episode two and three 
she has an infamous deleted death scene where she was meant to be killed by General Grievous and then wasn't. And so it's a bit of a hot debate of how she died. She was killed in Order 66 and this was, I believe, confirmed because in the Clone Wars, Yoda has a vision of Order 66 happening and sees Anakin kill Shark T. So she's a Togruta like Ahsoka Tano is. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's basically normally a red and white skinned face and also has uh, mantrills around the side, which are almost like these tentacle things that are kind striped that start at the head and kind of go down to the neck she's a quite a famous jedi master in that regard in the clone wars she oversees a lot of the cloners and things on kamino and also the force unleashed game that i mentioned about Narshadar a little while ago if anyone has played that you actually fight and kill her um, which obviously once again that has legends so that is no longer canon as i said there's i think there's like four different ways that shark t dies in and out of canon and legends but it is confirmed that it was Anakin who kills her in um, the temple. But yeah, I just thought that was quite cool. Then Luke opens the holocron and basically wants to leave. And Gracchus says, no, you belong to me now. And we're going to basically put you in the arena and fight. Because loads of people would love to see the last Jedi get killed. It does a little flash to show that R2 is running around the pa palace somewhere around. So he's obviously got a scheme because it's R2. And then it flashes back to Han, Leia and Sana escaping and things. And then it flashes to the Rebellion, which is in an unknown place, just kind of still searching for a next base because between episodes four and five, the Rebels are just trying to find a place to make their base because obviously it had Yavin 4 and then that got found by the Empire and almost got blown up by the Death Star. So they leave and obviously in episode five, they've got Hoth, but the comics show them trying to find a place. If you remember in the last volume, in the last Star Wars run I was speaking about, the reason Leia and Han are on this planet randomly near the Monsoon Nebula is because Han and Leia were trying to find a new place for the Rebellion base, essentially, and Han thought that might be a good place. And obviously it wasn't. So the Rebel fleet, they basically say they get a distress call from an R2 unit, talking about Luke. They say they can't really send anyone over there to Narshadar. You know, it's incredibly dangerous. There's crime lords and thugs and all kinds of other bad stuff going on there. So they're like, we couldn't possibly find anyone to go. And then you hear the nice roar of Chewbacca confirming that he will go. C-3PO is next to him saying, oh, I can't believe you're going. And then has the realization that both of them are going. Half of me was tempted to just do every time Chewie talks to these comics, just make the <laughs> Wookiee noise. But I think I'll save people from that. Maybe I'll do it right at the very end. It goes to Sana, Leia and Han again. There's a lot of flicking backwards and forwards. Um, it goes back to them and they're escaping the Empire in space now. They basically have a back and forth about the Millennium Falcon. And then also Sana's ship is called the Vault Cobra. And she says, yes, it would be the fast. The Millennium Falcon would be the fastest ship in the galaxy if it wasn't for my ship. Now the Vault Cobra, it kind of looks a bit like the Falcon. Imagine if you've got the Falcon sort of cut it in half almost, and then instead of it being like a full circle, it's kind of like a semicircle, but the lines of the semicircle are more of a V that kind of points to the pod in the middle. So, I don't know. To imagine it's almost like a D, like the letter D, but at the middle part of the flat bit, there's a protruding part. That's It's very hard to describe something in vague shape form, but it looks a bit like the Falcon. C-3PO and Chewie are walking around Narshadar trying to figure out where Luke may be. C-3PO talks to a couple of droids, hoping they'll be friendly. They're not. <laughs> they say to him that they're basically going to tear him apart and sell him and that sort of thing. Chewie then appears and then rips several arms off droids and things. And then they find out that Luke is basically in the palace. Luke is then speaking with someone who calls himself the Games Master. He basically says that you're not a Jedi. Luke says, I never said I was a Jedi. And then the Games Master's like, well, you're here anyway. You need to fight as Jedi. You're not going to get out of this. You're going to die. But if you don't fight and put on a good show, your death is going to be far worse. So I'm going to train you up just so you can actually fight a little bit because 
quite frankly, you're crap at it. And essentially, you're going to fight and things and may put on a good show for the huts and the whole audience. The Games Master also says that he can teach Luke. Luke says, that's not what I want to know. You can't teach me what I need to know. And the Games Master says, well, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant doesn't exist anymore. It's the Imperial Palace. So whatever you're going to try and find there, it's gone. All of their temples are gone, just like they are. So essentially, the last thing that you'll be able to find of anything helpful is in Gracchus's vault. It's got holocons in there. It's got a lot of questions that you'd want and things like that. And maybe if you live long enough, you'll be able to take a look at them. The Games Master throws the lightsaber to Luke, and Luke basically has to fight him. The Games Master pulls out a lightsaber that's green, and then immediately as Luke lunges for him, the Games Master smashes him on the shoulder, Luke falls to the floor, and the Games Master goes, basically you've already died within seconds, which is pathetic, so get up, I need to teach you better. Back to 3PO and Chewie, they go into a bar, it happens to be the bar that Luke went into earlier, and C-3PO says, we're looking for a friend because he, we know he's maybe a prisoner of someone called Gracchus the Hutt, could anyone help of any kind? And essentially, the bartender says he doesn't take kindly from droids. He's not really fond of Wookiees either. And C-3PO is trying to be diplomatic and saying, look, can you guys just help? Because I don't want anyone to be physically inconvenienced should perhaps they not assist the Wookiee in what they want. Then all of the bar dwellers are staring quite angrily. And then one of the little cool things I really like is just it has a shot of the outside of the cantina looking fine. And then just another shot of someone being thrown out of the window, which is always fun watching Chewie beat up thugs. It flashes back to Luke fighting in the arena. He's no longer fighting the Games Master. He's now trying to fight a couple of Magna Guards. And the Hut says to the Games Master, how's the base he's doing? And the Games Master says, he may be far on the force, but he's barely had any training at all. And he's barely had any training, essentially. And Gracchus says, look, we don't need him to defeat Darth Vader in single combat. We just want him to die with a bit of flourish. And then the Games Master says, he can definitely die. They then say, what beast will you be feeding him to? And then they walk through, like, there's a couple of beasts you can see. I think one of them looks like a Wampa, which is the sort of Yeti thing from episode five that Luke fights at the start, or rather gets captured by and then slices his arm off. And um, they walk up to this giant cage, which they don't explicitly say what's in the cage, but they say they've brought him something special. And then the Games Master says, even if he was a Jedi, I don't think he'd last long against that. Going back to the trio, Han, Leia, and Sana. Hopefully I'm not confusing you guys too much from flicking back and forwards a lot. But essentially, Sano keeps saying about how Han married her and things, and Han saying, no, we didn't, but it's not he's not getting to explain his point. They're just kind of bickering over it and things like that. And then Leia says, look, we've got the course to Nashadar. Let's just go get Luke and things. It's fine. Sano's like, look, I'm not going to Nashadar. I'm going to take Han and go. And Leia says, look, if you help us with this, you can take Han, and that's fine. And then... They basically say deal and hands up, wait, wait, I don't want to say in this. And then it flashes back to Chewie and 3PO. So Chewie is now holding the bartender, who is quite rude to them, off the edge of the top of the roof of the bar, holding him by one leg. And 3PO says, look, I'd really tell him what he wants to know. He gets quite unreasonable when he's like this. And so essentially the bartender says, yes, Gracchus has got your friend. Uh, You can see his palace from here. It's down there. And then 3PO turns around to see the palace and then Chewie drops the guy. Fortunately, the guy lands on some sort of trash heap, so it's not completely bad. Although, I would have kind of liked to see him drop fully. He's not a very nice character. And then that comic basically ends by a Gungan speaking to someone saying they saw Chewie. Someone's asking about Chewie and Han Solo. And it turns out to be Dengar, the bounty hunter. 
Now, some people know who Dengar is, but you'll have all seen Dengar. Dengar, he's in the Clone Wars quite a bit. I think he's in Star Wars Rebels a bit as well, but I may be wrong there. But essentially, Dengar is one of the bounty hunters that you see in Empire Strikes Back. So in Empire Strikes Back, towards the start, Vader is speaking to a bunch of bounty hunters and says, like, I want you to find you know, Luke and the Millennium Falcon and Han and all that sort of stuff. The main one everyone knows about is Boba Fett, who stands there. The second most famous is probably Bosk, the Trandoshan, basically a lizard person. And then there's also Dengar, who's a human, and he's wearing essentially a turban, but it's one that covers all of his head, the back of his neck, and under his, the front of his neck as well. So all you can see is basically a circle of his face from his chin to his forehead. And to confirm, in Empire Strikes Back, the bounty hunters are Dengar, Bosk, Boba Fett, IG-88, Zuckus, and Forlom. If any of you play the Lego games, that's quite an easy way to remember them because Forlom and especially Zuckus are barely in it sort of at all. All of them kind of appear in bits and pieces of the wider Star Wars canon. A lot of them are in comics, and as I said, Bosk, Boba, and Dengar are in the Clone Wars. Uh, they might be in Rebels as well. And for IG-88, there are lots of IG bounty hunter droids assassin droids in lots of different places but one that a lot of people will remember is ig11 from the mandalorian and who knows some of the other bounty hunters may show up in the mandalorian we'll see i'm sure boba fett will appear sometime so confirming dengar was looking for Chewie. so the next comic starts with dengar is behind Chewie while he's on that rooftop just after finding out where luke is he shocks Chewie, and Chewie kind of collapses to the floor and then 3po goes well, I guess I'll have to save the day, and picks the shock bolt off Chewie. It short-circuits the shock bolt because the droid touches it and things. Chewie gets up and then starts fighting Dengar. It then goes to see what Luke is up to, and it's basically him about to go into the arena. Gracchus the Hutt says that they took the journal of old Ben Kenobi from his ship, and is basically reading it and things, and says, oh, that'll make a fine addition to my collection in the Jedi relic vault that he's got. And then he sends out Luke to go into the arena and fight. Luke is given a lightsaber that isn't his. They say they don't care. And then you also see R2 sort of sneaking about and things like that. Then the announcer comes out and says, you know, behold, there's the last of the Jedi. He's, you know, fought loads of bounty hunters he's the slayer of countless huts and things and then the crowd there's just one bit i want to read of the crowd so this is each thing i say is from a different member of the crowd one says it's just some boy another's like it doesn't look like much of a jedi master to me maybe a padawan at best someone says i'll bet five crates of spice on whoever the other guy is and then my favorite one is someone says ah i was hoping it was going to be the little green guy which is obviously yoda that just cracked me up a little bit and so the monster that comes out to fight Luke is Congo the Disemboweler, who is mentioned as the last of his kind. Now, Congo the Disemboweler is a rogwart, and rogwarts, to my knowledge, have only really been in the canon once before, and it was actually in one of the Clone Wars episodes from Series 1, one of the only episodes in Series 1 that I actually say is worth a watch, which is Lair of Grievous. Grievous has a pet rogwart guarding his lair, essentially. Kit Fisto, the fabled tentacled Jedi with a Jamaican accent, he's the green guy with the tentacles and things, he says, well, he, he's the one who kills him. He, he kills the rogwart, so you see that in the Clone Wars series, and then today the Rogwart that Luke fights against has got a cybernetic arm and a cybernetic leg and it is said that he comes from Mustafar and he used to eat the lava worms in there. To, to look wise he basically looks like a rancor is that sort of size and bigger but his head is much more of like a demon head you know much more demonic jaw and cheeks and it's got sort of two big horns coming round the sides that curve towards the mouth so 
it's almost like a, an if you imagine like Pokemon evolutions, it's almost like what the Rancor's next evolution would be. It's bigger, it's scarier, and it's called Congo the Disemboweler. So pretty terrifying. Back to Han, Leia, and Sana. Han is trying to say to Leia, look, it's, she's not really my wife. I'm trying to explain this to you. And Leia's basically just walking away from him. They get a little bit of sort of, not quite privacy, but Leia goes into another room and Han goes up to the door and starts sort of banging on it. And to quote what Han says, I pretended to marry her at least. It was one of my stupid schemes to get back at a crime lord who'd been double-crossing spice smugglers. He owned a gambling den, the biggest in the system. I put a team together, but we needed to stage a big event. To cover the break-in, we decided on a wedding. It had to look real, it had to basically be real, but it wasn't. I mean, I never actually... And then he opens the door, Leia's not in there, and he's like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And he says he wished Chewie was there. And then it cuts to Chewie fighting Dengar. It's a pretty great fight watching Chewie like take some pretty big hits from Dengar while Dengar's also taking some pretty big hits from Chewie. But eventually Dengar lets off one of the explosives on Chewie's back. It's connected to that sort of belt that he always wears. But yeah, Dengar blows up Chewie's back. Chewie collapses and then Dengar's basically standing over him. He cuts to Luke trying to fight Congo the Disemboweler, and he's swinging his lights, or the lightsaber at it, because obviously it's not, in air quotes, his one. It's just kind of bouncing off his cybernetics and things. And then it flicks to Gracchus the Hut and the Games Master, who's sort of talking about the fight and things. And then the Games Master sort of just disappears. And then the Games Master is, when he's alone and things hidden, he says, This is Agent 5241. If you want the Jedi alive, you better hurry. You hear someone say, copy that, we're en route now, and then you see some TIE fighters. So clearly the Games Master is involved with the Empire in some way. So Luke is back to trying to fight Congo the Disemboweler. I know I keep saying his name, but it just cracks me up. It's such an over-the-top name, but it's great. So Luke is trying to center himself, he's trying to use the Force and things, but he's failing quite badly and getting beaten up by this thing. And you just see R2 in the crowd looking over and thinks he looks like he's about to do something. And then it cuts back to Dengar and Chewie. As Dengar is basically standing over Chewie, holding what seems to be an electro blade, he then gets shot in the back, looks like the sort of shoulder, by Han, or Han. And what Han and Leia are standing on the vault cobra and essentially says, get your hands off my friend. Dengar sort of stands up. He's seemingly a little bit harmed, but then he pulls out a thermal detonator and is saying, look, if you don't let me settle this with you directly, Han, that I'm going to blow us all up. And then Chewie stands up behind him, picks up Dengar and throws him straight off of the top of the roof. Leia looks up and says, we should probably follow those TIE fighters. That's probably going to lead us to Luke. And so it clicks back to Luke being picked up by Congo the Disemboweler. And he's being picked up and everyone's yelling, yes, come on, we want to see him eat him and things. And then suddenly these shock things kind of happens to the beast. And it turns out that someone has triggered the shock collar. As Gracchus is trying to figure out who could have possibly done this, you see a green lightsaber slice through the head of a, one of his Magna Guards. And it turns out it is the Games Master. The Games Master says that Gracchus is under arrest and then some stormtroopers slash TIE fighter pilots come in through the arena and saying that they've got the Jedi. Then the squad of the Imperials are trying to fight off some Magna Guards and while that's happening R2 manages to scoot past them and get into the Jedi Vault and manages to look at quite a few lightsabers. As that's happening, it basically goes back to Gracchus, who walks out surrounded by Imperials, 
and he's saying you're a traitor how could you do this to me you know i've you know after everything i've done for you and the games master is saying well you know you only just didn't kill me that's not really a favor and he was like i've always been an imperial spy i've been here since the start and things and so he holds up a gun to gracchus and says look you trusted me that was your problem and then gracchus was like yes i did but i didn't trust you everything and he triggers an, a protocol and what that does is sends off this big emp that makes every blaster in the area not work but what it also does is it stops the control shock collar from holding down Congo the disemboweler. Gracchus also says that the one thing that you should be worried about in here is not this giant monster or even the Jedi, it's me. I'm not like other huts. And he picks up one of the stormtroopers by the neck, crushes it, and throws him at the other stormtroopers. And then the crowd are yelling, 20 credits on Gracchus. I bet he tears the next bucket head in half. 50 credits says he eats one, which is quite uh, fun to watch. And then, yeah, Congo starts going mental and starts going a bit crazy and things. But while that's happening, the Imperials kind of grab Luke and are trying to pull him back. Two TIE fighter pilots are trying to do this. And then you see R2 shoot a little thing and it lands the Luke's lightsaber right in front of him. He grabs that, does a full swing, and then has basically escaped their clutches. It flashes to Han Lei. Chewie and Sana and they're basically trying to enter through the arena and then all this crowd start to rush out and they kind of get swept by by all these people but then he's like well, what, what on earth are they actually running from and they can see it's Congo the disemboweler and then the disemboweler basically seemingly gets past them but they they can't find where Sana is and they say look it's fine just leave her we'll go find Luke r2 then this is probably my favorite part of this whole story actually r2 then shoots out a few lightsabers and gives them to the trio and chewie's holding two and han's holding one and leia's holding another one han says great next some old wizard will be telling us to use the force and leia says i always want to try one of these all right people follow me and then they all ignite their sabers and it is a very cool looking picture you know and it was quite interesting is that in the films the only two characters that pick up and use a lightsaber in the film specifically that are not jedi or at least aren't confirmed to be force sensitive is finn and han solo han solo and empire strikes back is one of the only times you actually get to see it properly but when you start reading the comics and things like that it goes to show that a lot more people pick up lightsabers than you actually expect and so this is from what i know the first time that leia chewie or han pick up a lightsaber i don't know if chewie picks up them in the future we know that obviously leia does but I won't delve into that because that's kind of touching on a bit of Rise of Skywalker there. But Leia's had some sort of Jedi training, so she's touched the lightsaber before. Han does in Empire Strikes Back, which obviously set after this. Who knows if Chewie does? There are other, there have been Wookiee Jedi, and there's even a Wookiee Padawan in the Clone Wars series, which is quite cute. And his lightsaber is a really cool, it's made of like wood and metal and stuff. But that's just a cool little thing I want to share. So they rush into the arena, there's like Imperials there shooting and they've all got lightsabers and things and then the games master is basically squaring up to Luke and things. Luke tries to fend him off, gets completely decimated essentially and collapses to the floor and the games master says, I'm going to take you in. I'm a stormtrooper, Vader's fist. And he says there's a cell on a Star Destroyer with your name written all over it. And then Gracchus the Hutt picks up the Games Master by his neck. Says he's going to feed him to the liz lizards for betraying me. I'll feed you to my lizards, you wretched little man. And then feed those lizards to a bigger lizard. And then have that lizard barbecued. And then as that's going on and Gracchus is kind of mocking him, the Games Master ignites one of the lightsabers in his neckless thing and manages to cut one of his cybernetic legs with it. Gracchus falls to the side and then the games master along with a lot of the imps are trying to figure out what on earth really going on because a lot of chaos they then see that r2d2 has come into the fray and luke's like well before we go i need to grab one other thing and then r2 pulls out ben's journal so there's like that's great we can go 
But as they turn around, they're trying to find where Leia is. So Han calls to Leia. It then clicks to her and she's gone into the wreckage from where all of the crowd were going and where Congo, the disemboweler, was and finds Sana Solo. Sana says, look, just leave me. It's fine. Leia's like, no, don't talk like that. Come on, we'll go. And then Sana says, okay, my name isn't actually Sana Solo. It's actually Sana Staros. And I'm not really his wife. Leia's like, she explains it's a scam. Leia's like, that's fine, whatever, no worries. Let's sort of get out of here and things. And then you can see in the background, sort of, last time I'm going to say it, Congo the Destroyer causing havoc in the background. They managed to scoot past that and all that sort of craziness and get on both the Falcon and also the Vault Cobra and escape. The last scene of it all is essentially stormtroopers taking Gracchus into some sort of imperial prison. Well, he's kind of being locked up and things. And then the games master is speaking to Vader, saying that here's all of the stuff that you wanted, like his loads of this Jedi stuff and things. And then Vader says, look, you need to tell me everything about the boy. And that's where this one ends. So I really appreciate you guys listening to that. I've got a little bit more information and things to say about certain stuff. So as I said at the start of this, there is in this annual, which is, you know, Shodan Smuggler's Moon, it's sort of the second annual, second collection of stories. The first comic in there, which is issue number seven, is actually part of the journals of Ben Kenobi. There is going to be a one-off release like a Star Wars annual with a collection of all the journals of Ben Kenobi in it. So I'd recommend people go get that if you just can't wait for this Kenobi series that's going to come out. But each comic is sort of in different annuals here and there. I know in the next one, which will be volume three, there's also one of them in there and there's also one in volume four so once you've gone past a few of them i'll do a standalone episode just covering all of the obi-wan journals and things because that's going to be quite a fun one and coming up in the next weeks or so i've got a little bit of a plan um, i'm trying to make sure that i don't just constantly do original trilogy stuff or i don't just constantly do prequel or sequel stuff that sort of thing so with the star wars this main run i'm gonna do it every fourth episode or so so this is episode number 13 so then we've got next week i'm planning on doing the princess leia miniseries which the princess leia miniseries actually started at the same time that this star wars mini the star wars full run started as i've said in one of the previous episodes the first run of new canon comics since disney acquired lucasfilm and basically created the new canon in 2014 all the new comics there was the canon miniseries about canon jarus from the Star Wars Rebel series, which I'll cover at a later date. There's the main run of Star Wars comics, which obviously is what this is from. There's the Leia miniseries, or Princess Leia, which I'm going to cover that next week. Then there's also the Darth Vader first run series, which that is what I'm actually going to cover the episode after that. So this is episode 13, Star Wars main run. Next week in episode 14, I'm going to do the Princess Leia miniseries. In number 15, I'm going to do the first batch of Vader comics and things, because... The Vader comics are absolutely fantastic. They introduce a character called Dr. Aphra, who I do want to speak about in later episodes as well. But also, the next true story for the main run of Star Wars is actually the Vader Down comic. Now, Vader Down is a crossover event between the run of, of uh, Vader comics as well as this run of Star Wars comics. Now, I'm not going to do the Vader comic next week i'm not going to do vader down because if i do vader down then it may get confusing so what i'm going to do is i'm going to as i said in episode 15 i'm going to start the darth vader run of series i'm going to do them semi-frequently as well so what i'm going to kind of aim to do is do the main one of star wars comics like i'm doing do something else the following week do vader stuff then the week after that do something else and then back to the star wars ones so in a in a week of five weeks you can expect star wars something else Darth Vader, something else, 
then back to Star Wars. And that's basically how I'm going to kind of go from there. And what I've been thinking is in episode 16, I might do the Mace Windu because that'll be a nice little mix of it because he's got a mini series as well that's fairly cool. And then episode 17 that'll be to volume three so gonna try and do these star wars maiden run monthly and then after a year then i'll have caught up with that maybe i'll speed it up towards the end or something like that but i'll also be doing the vader series as well too because there are crossovers with that as well and i want to get into dr afra at some point because around issue 30 of i think it's issue 35 of this main run of star wars comics it goes into something called the screaming citadel the Screaming Citadel is a crossover event between Star Wars and Dr. Aphra because Dr. Aphra gets her own series. So it all starts to get very confusing and very convoluted because obviously this main run of Star Wars comics ran over 75 issues. The Darth Vader comic I think was around 30 or 40 or so. That was the first run of Vader comics. Then the Vader comics end and then you've got the Dr. Aphra comic start and then you've also got the second run of Vader comics and then you've also got the second run of Star Wars. So it all gets a big mess in some ways i can just about keep it going in my head but obviously you guys were listening it's a lot more difficult to do that so very very brief next week will be the princess leia miniseries the week after that i'm going to start on the first run of darth vader comics the week after that i'm probably going to do the mace windu miniseries and then the week after that i'm going to do the main run of star wars so every fourth episode essentially is going to be the run of star wars comics I will also say another thing to make it even further a little bit confusing. In the third volume, which I'm holding right here, haha, you can hear us to prove I'm not lying. Um, in this, what makes it even more confusing? The first comic in this volume three, the volume three collection is called Rebel Jail. The first issue of it, or the first comic within it, is Star Wars Annual Number One. Now, it makes it even more confusing. These collection of comics. They're sometimes called the books, they're sometimes called annuals, they're sometimes called the volumes, but there's multiple different versions of them and things. The Star Wars annual seems to be just a one-shot. Now, there's more than one Star Wars annual comic. I believe Star Wars annual number two is in the collection of four. Um, So what I'm probably going to do is, because I need to check online just to make sure that I do it correctly as long as there's no specific canon content within the annual itself that directly affects the main run of Star Wars comics... Later on, I will just do uh, an episode on the Star Wars annuals because I believe they are just kind of one-shots to do with... I know this one's quite a lot to do with the Emperor and things. So that's something else to look forward to, just in case any of you major Star Wars nerds who are reading all of the comics alongside me or are ordering the annuals or anything, if you're wondering why I'm skipping over so many things, it gets very, very confusing with the timelines and things like that. So I'm just trying to make it as user-friendly as possible. But that's generally what I'm going to be up to the next couple of weeks and things. If you want to send any queries, questions, or anything like that, please fire them my way. It's Star Wars Comics in Canon at Outlook.com. You can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Genuine Chit Chat. Any sort of way you want to get into contact with me, you can. And I'm also thinking that at a later episode, maybe episode 20 or maybe episode 25 i haven't really figured out yet i'm gonna do a q a episode because there's gonna be a lot of random little questions that people have which aren't specifically answered in me going through all the star wars comics one thing that a lot of people have asked me is actually about count dooku because in episode one there's no mention of dooku but 
in episode two, Dooku, they don't really know he's bad, but then he kind of, it's obvious he's bad when he starts, you know, fighting Obi-Wan, Anakin and Yoda with his bright red lightsaber. And then obviously in episode three, when he gets killed, he's very much a baddie. If you watch the Clone Wars, he is pretty damn evil in that too. So a lot of people question, well, he trained up Qui-Gon Jinn and he was trained by Yoda. What really happened with him? There are comics about him well there's a main one which is the age of republic comic which is a count dooku one shot there's a book called dooku jedi lost as well it started actually off as an audio book which is quite cool and then they also released it as a normal book as well so i'm gonna do an episode about dooku and a general sort of vague timeline of him just like he's called count dooku that isn't to do with him being a sith it's you know i'm not gonna get into it here but i'm gonna do one about like i'm gonna do a bit about dooku and if there's just other random little questions in there i'll fit that in like how many yoda species do we know there are uh what happened in this time frame you know any of these little questions whether or not they take a few moments to answer or if they need a bit more sort of depth into them i'm going to be doing that so if any of you guys have any burning questions and you're happy to wait a little while for them to be answered send me an email pop it in there and yeah if you've got you know a podcast or a twitter hand or anything you want me to mention on air just say hi blah 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 from here please mention this my question is blah and I'll read it out. So that'll be going on maybe episode 20, maybe episode 25, but that's something to look forward to as well. So I'm going to stop rambling at the end of this. Um, I did say slightly earlier that I'm going to try and do a Wookiee noise, which I'm not very good at. And to clarify, the Wookiee noise you hear in the intro uh, is not definitely not me. Um, but the, the kind of noise, I kind of do like a rolling R and make it a bit more throaty. So it's a bit more like... So not ideal, not perfect, but it's not bad. Uh, so I thought I'd do that and show you guys. So lots of fun there. Anyway, enough rambling for me. I've been yammering on for far too much about stuff. Uh, really appreciate you guys listening, especially all the way to the end and things. Obviously, check out the other great shows on the feed of Comics and Canon. And may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.